Hello and welcome to those of you listening in Toronto on 640 Toronto, in Hamilton on 900 CHML, and in London on 980 CFPL. Good to have you aboard for another day. And we're going to start with Ukrainian President Zelensky just moments ago, within the last hour or so, addressing Canada's parliament regarding, of course, the invasion of Ukraine, which is entering its 20th day. Now, this was an impassioned 12-minute speech, 12-minute long speech, that saw Zelensky thank us, thank Canada for our help, and also saw Zelensky asking us to do more, particularly when it comes to sanctions and that much-talked-about no-fly zone. Have a listen. Can you imagine when you, when you call your friends, your friendly nation, and you ask, please close the sky, close the airspace, please stop the bombing. How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities until you make this happen? And they, in return, they express their deep concerns about the situation. When we talk to, with our partners and they say, please hold on, hold on a little longer. All right. Irvin Student is editor-in-chief of Global Brief Magazine, president of the Institute for 21st Century Questions. His new book is entitled Canada Must Think for Itself. And Irvin joins us once again. Irvin, good afternoon. Appreciate the time as always. Good to be with you, Jeff. All right. Uh, Zelensky uh, asking Canadians to kind of imagine if our country was in the same place as Ukraine. He mentioned many of our landmarks, including the CN Tower. Very emotional, very powerful speech. Uh, what stood out for you? Well, the clip you played is, uh, is is a powerful one. It is in translation, so he spoke in the original Ukrainian. That's important for listeners to understand. I think he is making a powerful point um, for a country that is physically and geographically removed from the conflict. He's trying to plant mental images into Canadians' minds, the leaders' minds, to, to have a felt appreciation of what it's like to be bombarded in big cities because, of course, about three weeks ago, Ukraine was was living uh, peacefully and Europe was, was in peace and had been in peace uh, generally since the Second World War. An impassioned plea, to be sure, uh, for more and further support. Uh, practically, uh, I, I think a lot of Canadians that watched that speech an hour or so ago, Irvin, are asking themselves, what more can we do? Uh, from a practical standpoint, uh, what more can Canada do? Right. I don't, I don't think Canada can participate practically in any no-fly zone, and I think that is appreciated by the Canadians and Ukrainians alike. Uh, President Zelensky is heroically advocating for his country, as he must, and we must think both for ourselves, as I always say, and then about Europe and, and Ukraine and, and, and the Russian mix generally. What can we do? First of all, on the humanitarian side, we could be much more activist and mobilize much more seriously. We have good intentions. We're mobilizing, but in a very Canadian, very slow way. So we need to mobilize like the Poles, like the Israelis, even the Moldovans that are geographically closer to Ukraine, but are really taking in more people, not just in per capita terms, but in absolute terms. So we could have, if on the humanitarian side, airlifts, uh, yesterday on mass if we're serious about that and i believe that would be in the ukrainian interest and in ours as well secondly we need to think about our own borders we have a border with europe to the east effectively symbolically but russia is immediately to our north so we need to start thinking in a much more cold-blooded way about our own future and we have a a shared Arctic space with the Russians, the Americans, and the Europeans. We need to be much more serious in terms of our own assets. Finally, 
where we really can be practical is on the diplomatic end to the conflict. The conflict will not end through a no-fly zone. It will end once the military course uh, of action finishes, whatever that looks like. The Ukrainians are heroically resistant, resisting. Russians will try to advance their objectives. What is a, a diplomatic and look like we've done nothing to propose that it needs to be something that sustains Ukraine as an independent sovereign nation that keeps Russia as a going concern that keeps Europe united and keeps us in North America secure and so we need to really be practical on that front let me ask you if I could Irvin, a little more about that no fly zone because Zelensky asking for Canada's support asking the world support NATO support for no fly zone uh, has the time come for that, do you think? Because uh, my understanding, what I've been reading and following, is that uh, the Ukrainians are uh, doing pretty good on the ground, but a lot of the damage that is coming to uh, places in Ukraine is from the air currently. Yeah, and no-fly zone is just impossible. And and the reason it's impossible is that is that in one sense, the I, even the idea of a no-fly zone is what got us into this conflict to begin with. One of the interests on the Russian side is to is to preclude NATO from ever coming into Ukrainian space or for Ukraine to ever become a member of NATO. And even Zelensky, I think, now is talking about that as a basic concession point from the Ukrainian side. So that is obviously impossible uh, now that the Russians are in that space and they, they, they are controlling some of the significant territory. So we would have a direct clash with Russia, which is to be to be direct in nobody's existential interest um he has an obvious interest in zelensky in in advancing ukrainian interests and that is his right um on our response needs to be we cannot do that but here's our alternative we can advance something diplomatically and there we need to be less rhetorical and much more practical i've already said on your show that the diplomatic out will come from Asian countries leading the negotiations. So we must be much more activist in putting together those blocks so that this comes sooner rather than later. And, and I think it could be done in the next week or so. Hmm. Let me ask you, too, about uh, Canada announcing additional sanctions today against another uh, 15, I believe, Russian oligarchs. Uh, is it enough, uh, these sanctions, when it comes to Canada's contribution? Do we have any evidence at all, uh, Irvin, that uh, the sanctions, not only from Canada, but from around the world, are having an effect that they're working? I think the sanctions are always having an effect on, on Russia at, at the granular level, on the psychology of the country, on the unity of the country. But they will have no impact on the on the military course of the conflict because Russia, the Russian leadership is operating on a different plane. They, they intend for existential purposes as they see it. I presume to advance the military conflict to whatever end they they see necessary. I don't understand their ends in all cases myself, but the economic sanctions are uh, are really secondary or tertiary. They will have no impact. That's why I say that beyond that, we need to really be muscular in advancing a diplomatic solution. That's where the rubber will hit the road in, in meeting uh, both the Russians and the Ukrainians towards some sort of exit. You know, this is obviously having global impacts, uh, impacts on the global economy, uh, global uh, security, a threat to that uh, as well. Uh, how much longer can this go on? Can this continue? I fear for a long time. Um, and one of the, in the back of my mind, I, 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 I try to check myself in, in, in saying that although a diplomatic solution, even a, a quote, quote unquote elegant one, is foreseeable, uh, I'm not sure that it will hold on the ground. Ukraine is really destroyed in many uh, cities. Uh, there's a, you, 
we must understand that one of the biggest armies in the world is is planted all over the territory. Uh, the political unity of Ukraine will have uh, shattered. We'll have uh, huge numbers of armed men on both sides, and there are now, will the, by the end of it, there will be many more than two sides in the biggest country in Europe. So we're in for a world of chaos and sort of sub-warfare level uh, violence for a considerable period of time. So a diplomatic solution needs to come fast, but then it needs to be implemented on the ground. I've also argued separately that in the end we'll need a peacekeeping force from neither from NATO nor from the CSTO, the former Soviet space, in there to keep some of that peace. I've proposed that they come from countries like India, which have a peacekeeping background, but they're also neutral. Bangladesh, Pakistan, Indonesia, these are candidate countries outside of the mediation. So there's a huge amount of work to be done, and it's important that while Ukraine be sustained, that it's not bleed into Europe to destabilize Europe, which is still a peaceable zone. And for people to appreciate while Russia is in disfavor now, nobody should wish that Russia destabilize in a huge way because that is a global conflict. And Russia has 17 land and, and maritime borders. So if it destabilizes, it takes not only Ukraine down with it, but several other continents as well. So we need to keep all of these countries afloat one way or another. All right. Just finally, uh, you are hopeful uh, then. I know talks, uh, they were paused yesterday between Russian and Ukrainian officials. They were supposed to pick up uh, again today. But you remain hopeful that uh, a diplomatic solution, uh, diplomacy, will win the day? Uh, it, uh, diplomacy is the only way out, first of all. But whether it is sustainable and feasible on the ground, it will, will uh, suggest, that, suggest that there will have to be several rounds of diplomacy to make it realistic on the ground. And there's a real danger for both uh, Ukrainian and Russian leaders for them to be looked at as either incompetent on the Russian side or treacherous on the Ukrainian side, depending on the, the types of concessions or non-concessions that are made in, in diplomatic uh, agreement. All right. On this day that Ukrainian President Zelensky addresses Canada's parliament, Irvin, appreciate your time and your insight as always. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Irvin Student, his new book, by the way, again, is entitled Canada Must Think for Itself. And we're back after this break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.